Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Chicago Bullseye. As the classic is back, I'm returning it from the from the grave, and I'm brought along my friends from the Chicago Bullseye, Paulie G of the NBA Index, and the basketball story and the uh, the great Tim Gallagher. Hey guys, how you doing out there? Outstanding. Thanks for having us, man. Doing well, Fred. Awesome. Let's start out with you, Paulie G. What you got? As the beloved Bull win the best game that they've had all season, and they start out in, in fine fashion with a victory over the Jazz, they finally actually hit threes and play at a high level. What did you think of that game yesterday, and where are you feeling about the team after such an outstanding victory? Definitely a good win. Uh, the three and five, which is fine. I mean, we you know we kind of assumed these these first couple of weeks is going to be a little bit rough, but if they can ha- hover around five hundred, I'm perfectly satisfied. But it's just it's just one win. However, though it's a good win, a, it might be a little uh, fool's goldy, if you will. And I just came up with that word, um, and I'll tell you why. So the good, they put up thirty seven points in the first quarter. That's a season high. That was great. Their offense was humming. Great to see it. And they made six threes in that first quarter, which also happened to be a season high. I think they made 10 in the first half, which was a season high. Um, They ended up shooting 18 out of 34 from three. Um, And they weren't just jacking them up either. Like, they were pushing in transition. They were getting out and running, getting a lot of open looks in uh, in transition. And in the half court, I actually saw a lot of screening off the ball. DHOs with Vooch, uh, Vooch with DeMar, Vooch with Kobe, Vooch with... um, with Javon Carter, who I hope we, we, we can talk about him a little bit later too because I loved what I saw out of him. Um, so all that stuff is good stuff. But let's be honest, they're not going to shoot 18 of 34 uh, again <laughs> from three. Uh, so that was, that was you know, a little, you know, there's probably going to be an adjustment to the mean there. Um, but I think the, the, the negatives that I saw and where, I, where I'm a little bit concerned is they still only shot about 19 free throws. That's more than typical for... For the Bulls, it's not good enough for the best teams in the league. They got to get more easy buckets, uh, more easy uh, free throws, I should say. Um, you know, you got to think Zach's going to get you six to seven uh, a game. Demar six to seven a game. You got to hope the rest of the team is going to get into uh, allow for them to get into the twenties, twenty five free throws a game. They have to pick up that number. They got crushed on the glass. That's another bad sign. Fifty two to thirty six, um, and Utah isn't known to be a. a a great rebounding team either for that matter. Um, and the last thing I'll say is the jazz had 22 turnovers. They're not a high turnover team. They played awfully, uh, protecting the ball. Some of those were our good defense, AC, uh, Javon Carter, Patrick Williams actually was pretty frisky. Um, but a lot of those were unforced errors. Um, and so I'm a little concerned, like, yeah, they had, they forced 22 turnovers. That's what the stat book says. But at the same time, a lot of those were unforced. Um, and I'm wondering if, okay, A, a decent team doesn't turn the ball over that much. And B, the Bulls aren't likely going to be shooting 53% from three. Um, so that's, uh, you know, a 17 point victory that cuts that down to, you know, it's a much closer game, I think, against a good team and on a regularly shooting night. So good win, but let's not get our hopes uh, too far high. As a counter, in game number eight, they finally shot, I thought, above what they above what was expected for the team. If you look at up to this point in the season, virtually every player on the team outside of Javon Carter and Io were well below their career numbers in terms of three-point percentage. Mm. So 
they were all sucking well beyond, well below where we should expect them to be. So I thought this rebound in, in terms of a high three-point percentage was, was expected and, and bound to happen, and, and we saw that primarily from, like, Kobe White going 4-6, or six, and then obviously Javon Carter was a, stu- a stunning 4-8, four four and Caruso even shot 2-2 two two from 3. Uh, you did bring up a good point about the lack of free throws, only DeRozan, who was 4-5 or five from the line, and Levine, who was 6-7. Those are only two players in the starters that got to the line. It's been a problem and, and an issue for years. Uh, ever since this iteration came to be, uh, and it will continue to be a problem because, you know, Vooch doesn't get to the line, and, and some of the other guys, unfortunately, Kobe hasn't shown that ability either. Patrick Williams never gets to the line. The team is just filled with guys that have that issue. But let's go over to Tim, and I'd love to get your feedback on that victory over Utah. But more importantly, where do you feel the Bulls are right now as a team as we head into a key stretch of games? Sure. Well, and I know I'm a, a little less emotionally attached than you guys, so uh Hopefully I can give a, a more objective viewpoint at some points uh, <laughs> while watching the, the team. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's so early. But, you know, what I look look for, and as I was thinking about the Bulls and what I've observed from watching them so far this season, and not just the, the win against Utah, but uh, I, I, I kind of see three C's. I, I see the coaching, which, I uh, you know, I like Billy Donovan. I don't think they're going to do better than Billy Donovan as a coach. Uh Continuity. So, you know, I guess for better or for worse, they're kind of sticking with this core group. Obviously, I'm crushed that my guy Lonzo Ball's, you know, not in the mix, and hopefully he will be someday. But obviously, that's nothing short term that we can even think about. Uh, and then the third C I have is chemistry. So I really look at every nuance when I'm watching any team play, but just how do these guys? get along? How do they respond to their coach? How do they kind of pick up each other? How do they uh, react to each other's success or, or difficulties on the court? And I see that this group has that. I mean, obviously having some uh, some veteran leaders like DeRozan and all these quiet Vucevic is, you know, is a solid pro. Um, and, you know, and a guy like Caruso, who's just a gamer, and then picking up a, a junkyard dog kind of guy like Javon Carter, which I know, Fred, we want to talk about him a little more later. So I'll save some of my other thoughts on him. But, you know, overall, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy uh, at this stage. Uh, obviously, the record isn't anything great, but we're still so early in the season. Um you know, I think they're finding their way and, and that Utah win. While, while the Jazz aren't, you know, they're, they're going to be lucky to maybe get in the play-in. But, you know, I watch them a lot. I know a couple of the people on their staff uh, through some of my Dayton, Ohio connections. And, you know, they, they come to play every night and, uh, you know, are, are not an easy out in on most nights. So, uh, you know, again, even though they're not on the top tier of the, the Western Conference teams, you know, any win you have against the Jazz you know, is a solid one. So uh, those are some of my initial thoughts. You know, my thought, I did want to touch a little bit on Laurie Markin and the Jazz. I mean, I thought Laurie was absolutely fantastic. I thought he was, you know, 29 points, five rebounds, three assists, eight of 15 from the field, five of 12 from three. I thought he was fantastic and just hurts. It hurts watching a game like that where he plays so well, looks so quick, looks so fast. Um, And also uh, a guy like Walker Kessler, who's a, a rim-protecting center who would be an absolute important addition to this Bulls team, and we took Dale and Terry ahead of them. So those two guys, I really feel I'm not. I've never really been a big fan of John Collins and in, in the pros. Those two guys are really, if you look at the Utah Jazz, are the, to me the only two guys that are 
I would even consider or want on the team outside of maybe Jordan Clarkson. But I've never been a fan of Horton Tucker. I thought their guard play was awful yesterday. Absolutely awful. And I've never been a fan of Sexton. You know, Chris Dunn's a nice, good story, but getting close to 30 and obviously a defense first type of player. They need to get some guards in that in, in Utah, or else you know you're not you're doing a disservice to a player like Laurie Markin. What say you, Paulie G? I, I love Laurie. Obviously, he got a raw deal um, here in Chicago, um, and I, I hope we don't make go down that that road again. Also, I I, I put the over under on uh, a C Red Fred making a negative Dalen Terry comment um, at at two um, and or two and a half, and so <laughs> we're one we're one down uh, and. As 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 nice as we want to hype up Kessler, listen, I I really like Kessler. I liked him at Auburn. Um, I thought him and he got a lot of uh, he was kind of underrated there um, because Jabari Smith got all the all the pub and rightfully so. But still, Kessler was a great player. And uh, let's keep in mind, like twenty other teams passed on him, so it's not just like the Bulls blew it. Uh, twenty other teams passed on him too. Um, and he's, he did fine. I, I think he even hit a, th- a three-pointer from the corner. So he's obviously expanding his game. It's really cool to see. I love his activity. Um, so they have a pretty, gu- a pretty good s- a front line. The problem is Trader Danny isn't going to be he's, – he's in rebuild mode. It's not like, ooh, let's see if I can grab a um, – you know, make a trade here or there midseason and maybe we can make a run at the plan. At this point, with all the draft picks, I think they have behind the Thunder. Them and the Spurs have uh, Jazz and the Spurs have the second most um, draft compensation um, right now, uh, and I, I I don't anticipate them going for it, so to speak. I think they're firmly in rebuild mode, and Danny's got got that eye on that. I wouldn't be surprised if marketing gets traded, uh, not this year, but next year when his value is at his absolute peak, because they're totally in rebuild mode at this time. Tim, what say you about Laurie Marketing? Well, you know, I've loved him all along. Uh, you know, being out West, I saw him play a lot at Arizona and uh, I've been a big fan. And, you know, that, that would have been my dream for, for Laurie to play with Lonzo. Uh, you know, we've talked about that on some, some way back when uh, Bullseye podcast. But, yeah, always loved Laurie. I, I really didn't see him taking his game to this level. I'm thrilled to see it. Uh and uh, just shows you, you know, the hard work and development and uh, what, what he's become. So, uh, yeah, it, it's the, the downside is every time I see him going off, I, I wish it would have been in a Bulls uniform. And, uh, yeah, as far as Kessler, the stat that jumped off the page from the box score of the Bulls game was 11 offensive rebounds. I mean, you don't see that very often. So, uh, no, you know, that was yeah. a, that was an eye popping uh, number there. I also have to address your comment, Paulie, about you know negative comments about Dale and Terry. Yeah, <laughs> true. There were uh, 17 teams that you know before the Bulls got to 18 and took Dale and Terry, but yeah, there were good players picked ahead of them: Jalen Duran, Shaden Sharp, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, uh, Paulo. That was a loaded draft, right? The Bulls had an opportunity to get a guy who could protect the rim. They haven't had a rim protector since. Wendell Carter Jr. left town, and so they had an <laughs> Room opportunity. Protector, Wendell Carter Jr. And they took Dale and, less than a block a game. And they took Jr. and they well a, pra- a a paint protector. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's much better than what we currently have. And then they took Dale and Terry, who can't shoot, and was the third third best player in Arizona. Guy shouldn't even be in the league. It's clear he's not good enough to be in the league. 
I don't even know why they picked up his option. He's not a good basketball player. He can't shoot. I don't know. He's, he's what have you seen on Dalen Terry that makes you think he should be in the NBA? I, I think. And they also passed him. Malachi Branham was much better. He's getting much more playing time. Branham is, but then again, he's he's also playing for a, a rebuilding team like the Spurs. Because he's better. I mean, you know, those yeah, guys. But he's much better player. I I don't know. I I. I I think we tend to be. Oh my god! Wait, 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 wait! I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not defending Dale and Terry. I don't, I don't think he's a great player. I just think he's he's 19, 20 years old. There's no way we can determine whether or not he's going to make it in the league or not. I think the guy works his butt off. I think he's a really good defensive player already. He's like six eight, and he's seven, based on what? Hold on, he plays. Based I, on what, what proof do you have? He works his butt off. Anybody who shoots like that doesn't work their butt off hard enough. That's I don't know. number one. I don't know. Magic Johnson wasn't a good shooter. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> what proof do we have that he works his butt off? Yes, he's in the NBA, but relative to any other players, does he work harder than somebody else? I don't think so. I have no reason. For, Wouldn't that be reflected? I have no reason to think he in doesn't. The jump shot? I have no reason to think he doesn't work, work his butt off. First of all, second of all, he was going in LA and working with uh, Demar. Con- have one. DeMar he sucks at shooting. Uh, this uh, this off season, he was getting up at four a.m. and doing the Demar workouts. If you recall, it was him, P Dub, and and Demar doing that. There was no one else over there doing it. It was it was Dale and Terry. So I, I yes, his shoot his shooting is is god awful. But let me ask you this: What other element of his game sucks? I don't think he's a great decision maker. I think he's a Based good passer what? and a and a and a decent defender. Okay. Based, but that's it. That's all I see. In fact, I don't think he's an NBA player. He's 21 years old. Number one, he'll be 22 in July. He's he was old when he was drafted. Older player when he sophomore. was drafted. It's not like he's. I mean, what's the big deal? Yeah, he's a sophomore in college, as everybody is. Uh, most of the players that are drafted in the first round are either freshman or sophomore, 18, 19, or 20. He's 21 years old. I've seen nothing from this guy to to make me think he's going to be an NBA player. I think it's an it's just a travesty that they they they. Uh, agreed to add on another year. You should have just let him go. What? No, anybody can, they anybody invested can, in him. You can't let him go yes. this early. What are you going to replace him with? How about a guy off the street? Are you kidding me? We're talking about Dean Terry. What has he done that even remotely – he's not worthy of being taken up an NBA roster spot. Tim, what, you jump in here and tell us Can I just say one thing, Tim, before you go? Just one thing before you go, Tim, really quickly. I just – I think that we tend to be way too quick to anoint when a player shows shows signs of, uh, of, of of making it, and then we also tend to be way too quick to tear down. And with with these young players, I think you have to wait four or five years to really see what type of uh, player they could be in the NBA. No, 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 you can't. We don't have four or five years to wait because after five years, you have to decide whether or not to pay the guy. And and that's not true, Paul. Every no, great player, player. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Every great player in the NBA who's a young player, shows signs, shows flashes. In fact, almost every player shows flashes. Uh, Downtown Valentine scored 34 points in his, 30, his third year against the best team in the East. Like, every player does something great. He's done he nothing. Played. He's done nothing he to show. He's playing time, though. Well, there's a reason why he doesn't play enough, because he can't he had, shoot. He, I'm talking about Summer League 2. I don't know. I mean, he's been awful. Tim, talk some sense into Paul here. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm I'm not a big Dale and Terry guy, and I've although I did like him, I saw him play in high school out here for the Compton Magic, which was a loaded team with the Mobley brothers, and I, I guess you know any one of the three of us probably would have looked pretty good playing with the Mobley brothers and some yeah, of the other players, players they had. But um, you know the the thing that really struck me uh, about Terry, even before the Bulls drafted him, uh, it just so happened that the NCAA tournament uh, rounds were in San Diego. 
uh, his last year at Arizona. And what struck me was how great Matherin was and how the rest of that team was pretty average. And, uh, you know, I, I just had watched them play some on television, but, you know, you don't really get to study them and, and see all the, the, the things that go on on the court like he can in person. And so I, I just remember thinking, wow, Matherin is way better than I thought. And these other guys are just okay. And, and Terry Tim, was one of them. So Tim, that's exactly what I heard. That's exactly what I heard from another person whose reputation I respect. Like he was like, people were questioning, or this guy, gentleman who follows Arizona basketball said he's, he thought he was the third best player on that Arizona team. That Arizona team didn't win anything. Like, just think about that. Like you're taking a guy who's the third best player and, and I'm fine with doing that. If the guy's seven, seven or seven, four, and he's a project and, and you want to work with him, this guy's not an Uber athlete. He's a good athlete. He's six I mean, seven I've seen with this a guy seven play one up. wingspan. He was at he's at six seven, uh, and he's he was wingspan was seven one, and I think changed too on top of that. But remember, on that Arizona team, first of all, they went to the Elite Eight. They were really good. Matherin was phenomenal. Absolutely, he was the best player. Christian Coloco was actually quite good for them too, and he ended up being a first round pick with the Raptors. Yes. but yeah, Dale and Terry was probably the third best player, but he was their point guard, and he wasn't a scorer. He was a setup guy. And the, I, I'm not trying to hear, defend Dale and Terry. I don't think he's going to be a star. But you know what? We don't – every time we draft a player, we don't have to be like, oh, after year two or after year three or after year four, if he doesn't show signs of being a future star, then let's get rid of him. Maybe he'd just be a decent role player. And that's fine. He was the 18th overall pick. What were we expecting? What signs have indicated he could be a decent role player? I don't see. Well, I think defensively, I think. What have you seen from him to indicate that outside of aggressiveness? I mean, he's. I think he's a good passer. One-on-one defender. He's terrible off ball. Uh, I think he's actually quite quite good defensive player, both on the ball and off the ball. But I also think he's actually a pretty good passer. Not off the ball. No, he's not. I I think he's pretty good. No, he's not. I haven't seen anything to. To think otherwise. Well, but here, Fred, here's well, the let thing. me let me I chime in. See, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to. I think you see, is going to get minutes. Go yeah, I just I have a hard time seeing him getting minutes with the roster they have. And just as a comparison to some other recent draft picks, I know I saw some things early on. I know Patrick Williams has his flaws, but you know I saw a few things and a few th- games early on with him as well as Io that oh wow, you know this this guy can can play in the league and, and you know there there's going to be a spot for him doing something uh you know I kind of saw that you know early on with Terry I still haven't had that that light bulb moment for me yeah I wonder if when Fred looks at remember how Jordan said that it, he wasn't facing Tony Kukoc he was facing Jerry Krause in a Croatian uniform I think that Fred sees uh <laughs> in Dale and Terry and Vucevic's and uh, Patrick Williams faces he actually sees Acme and so he automatically dislikes them uh, out of spite. That's not true. <laughs> you know what? I love I love Io. I was very happy that he took Io. I'm a huge fan of uh, DeMar DeRozan. Like, they've done some good things. This I was screaming for Malachi Branham on that draft night. They didn't take him. Still can't believe it. You know, they took this guy who's shown absolutely nothing. This is a massive mistake. And one thing that a Doug Tonus says, uh, the podfather, which I agree with 100%. These guys have admitted one mistake. When you look at Gar Packs, say what you will about them, they draft several players that they said, you know what, we're going to move away from this guy. Pretty quickly, they turned Tyrus Thomas into a number one pick pretty quickly. He made first team all or second team all NBA rookie. 
He had he showed a lot of flashes, far more flashes than Dale and Terry has. He showed about the same amount that Patrick Williams did. But they said pretty quickly within year three or four, I can't remember when he was traded, but they moved him, and he signed a massive contract. Was it with Charlotte? I can't remember off the top of my head. Do you remember, Tim? Those guys those guys moved away from their mistakes. Oh, man, I don't know how he got on guard packs. But I I do recall also trading LaMarcus Aldridge for Tyrus Thomas. So all they did was they they blew it. They made one of the worst trades of the decade. And, uh, yes, I suppose they got off the mistake quickly enough. But I, I see that as no evidence of Garpacks being great at their job. They did some good drafting. Yes, they were great drafters, uh, but let's not make them out to be more than what they were. Well, what they were was a hundred times the uh, identifiers of talent than these guys. <laughs> There's no debate. There for 20 no, years. No debate in that. They, they wasted a pick with Patrick Williams at four. No, no. Just look at look, – right, let's look at their first four years. How did Luol Dang look? Ben Gordon look? I mean, come on. Kirk Heinrich. And then after that, you know, drafting Derrick Rose and, and Jakeem Noah and Tosh Gibson at 26 and Jimmy Butler at 30. Like, they have plenty to crow about. What do these guys have to crow about? They were about? there for 20 years. What have they done in terms of a They were there for 20 years. No, no. I, these guys I, at least hey, four no, years. No, no, no. Paulie, I just <laughs> – Paulie, I called, out, I called out their first three picks. I called out their first three picks, which was Ben Gordon, who was a six-man in a year. Luol Deng, who was a very good player for the Chicago Bulls for a long time. And Kirk Heinrich, some people still worship at his altar. So those are three really good players that they did in the first three years. Three what is Kirk was an doing? obvious one. His team went to the finals. They lost to Syracuse. He was an obvious player. He was the seventh or eighth overall pick. Of course they're going to take Kirk. Also, Ben Gordon was third overall, and they lost him for nothing four years later because they refused to sign him. They should have traded him ahead of time. They lost him to the Pistons. Luol Deng, yes, 100%. Great, no, they should have. Great, great pick. 2009, Ben Gordon was a big part of that 2009 team. They didn't trade him because they're Owner didn't want to go into luxury tax. It was still he was still a good player. You know what? Letting him walk in the long run probably was the right thing. I mean, it sucked. I believe me, because no one loved Ben Gordon more than me. But looking back, it was probably the right decision because it allowed them to have space to sign all those great free agents in 2010. We're getting caught on a tangent here, so let's get off this uh, this yep. one pretty quickly <laughs> um, and get back to yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about Patrick Williams now. He had a decent game this last game. Uh, and Tim, I haven't got your feedback in. Let's start out with Tim on this one. Patrick Williams, you know, obviously he's really struggled, but he's definitely played better since he went to the bench. You know, what's your take on him, and wh- why is it still in year four that he's struggling so mightily? Well, maybe it wasn't uh, uh, everyone's uh, mistake to be shocked when the Bulls drafted him when they did <laughs> as early as they did. You know, I mean, I feel like I follow college basketball pretty closely, and I, I really didn't even have him on my radar. Um, but, um, that said, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe he's plateaued, which again, you pick somebody that high, you hope they're going to be, you know, a potential all-star or, a, you know, a significant player rather than a role player. Um, you know, he does have some nice, uh, assets for, you know, a multi-position player and, you know, focused on, on defense. Uh, I know one of the big issues is, you know, getting to the line. I'd like to see him maybe rebound a little better. Uh, but yeah, the, the Utah game was a, a, a better uh, uh, perf- performance by him. And uh, yeah, maybe this is the, the way to use him, have him come off the bench and, uh, you know, certainly worth a shot. And Tim, that says a lot that you didn't even have him on your radar because, yeah, it's true. No one knows college basketball more than you. 
I mean, you were familiar with Devin Vassell at that time. I, th- I think I recall having a conversation with you on him, who was his teammate. Right, right. But, wow, when you look back at it. I mean, big picture, he's a role player. He can hit threes. Let's hope he kind of evolves into a 3 and D guy. I always kind of, though, push back and say, if you're a D guy, you really need to rebound. I can't think of many players at all who are considered to be elite defensively and can't rebound because, to me, it's kind of part of being a good defender. It ends the possession. It's probably the most important thing or one of the most important things. And he's never been a good rebounder. His freshman year, he averaged four rebounds. His high was nine. He played every game his freshman year. You know, I understand he was coming off the bench, but he averaged four rebounds. You know, for a guy that big, that's a a terrible number. So he is what he is, Um, good three-point shooter. He's going to do a lot better this year. I just think we need to reset expectations on the kid and stop acting like, you know, because he was picked at four, he's going to be a superstar. He's not. He doesn't have that in him. But he he can be a good role player for many years to come. What say you, Paul? Yeah, well, you and I talked about it. I, I, I might be a little bit higher on, on Patrick than you guys, but um, I think Fred and I, we, we've discussed this at length. I'm, I'm so glad they're bringing him off the bench. They shouldn't have put him in as the starter to begin with because you're setting you're setting that standard for him, and so and you're to put a 19 year old setting putting as your starting power forward when he's he's never really played that position before. First of all, he's always been a perimeter player, uh, so putting him there was probably a mistake. Making him the starter probably a mistake. And on top of that, if you're if you're putting him as starter, you have no room to go. You have no you have no you have no play. So now you're going to bring once you bring him to the bench, then it's going to hurt his confidence. And this guy seems to be lacking in confidence already. Uh, I, you know, I, I I remember that draft quite well. I, I was really high on Halliburton was my number one overall. I had him ahead of Edwards, um, ahead of Lamelo Ball. Certainly ahead of Wiseman, who I wasn't very high on at all. Um, Desmond Bain, I was high on too. Uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating to see that Williams hasn't, uh, expanded his game much, but it was uh, in this particular game with this, with that context within the jazz game, I thought he was actually kind of frisky, which was good to see, particularly defensively and a couple drives to the hoop. He actually looked for contact. Um, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. The bulls lack for free throw shooting. And if he can just get to, you know, three or four free throws a game. Uh, I think it, him being a threat attacking the paint will open up more three-point shots for him, and he's a good shooter. So we'll see. Uh, my, my fingers are crossed for him. I'm not giving up hope yet. I think that's fair. You know, I think we're all cheering for him. He seems like such a good kid. Uh, I, there's nothing – I have nothing against the guy. He seems like a really nice kid. Every time I see an interview with him, I'm like, oh, I hope he does well. But, um, you know, I'm also realistic about it. Like, and Tim, I think, too, in your experience in basketball – uh, I'd love to get your opinion on this one. You know, just my experience coaching. I kind of feel like that desire to, you know, be an alpha is seen really young. Like I coached a group of kids over the course of like eight years, and the kids who wanted to mix it up and the kids who wanted to dominate on a basketball court, they were pretty much the same way like that over the course of, you know, four, five, six years. It wasn't something that's developed in year eight or nine or as your sophomore or junior. I don't know if you agree with that, Tim, but I'd love to get your opinion on it. No, I, I do agree. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, his one year at Florida State, uh, which, you know, obviously they've produced some excellent players and excellent athletes there, but, you know, I, that's 
a whole other topic uh, we could dig into, but even, you know, in any kind of young player, um, you know, not getting the chance to be a, a, you know, a leader. So here he was a guy off the bench on Florida state's team, even if he was a great talent, um, you know, that's why I like seeing some of these, you know, quote unquote, older players, right. Where they've had a chance to, to be leaders. They've been in a program, they've been a team captain, you know, those kind of things, right. Where, um, you know, more of that has been on their shoulders sooner where, you know, you hear all the time about young high school players that they want to play on the varsity as a freshman or sophomore. And I think I've shared with you, Fred, you know, I grew up with John Paxson and uh, thank goodness for me, when I was a senior, he was a freshman, but wasn't ready for, for varsity. And, uh, you know, I would have played even less if he would have been on the varsity as a freshman. But I talked to John about that. And he said, you know, that freshman year when I was a star of the freshman team, that's when I realized how good I could be. You know, that, you know, when I dominated freshman basketball, you know, it, it gave me confidence. And so tying this back to Patrick Williams, I don't know that, you know, again, one year of college at Florida State, and now he comes in as a young guy, sort of unexpectedly drafted so high by, I think, a lot of people, you know, thrust into a, a, a man's league, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know that that leadership, uh, you know, has been, uh, you know, fostered in him, unfortunately. And it's, yeah, I don't think a, a switch is going to flip on anytime soon. No, agreed. I agree a hundred percent. Great story too by uh, John Paxson. I wasn't aware of that, and it's interesting. We're discussing this because, uh, oh, well, that's a, another topic for another day. I did want to get into. We're already at th- over thirty minutes with some contentious debate so far in this episode of Chicago Bullseye. Let me first say it's awesome to have both you guys on. Um, definitely check out your work uh, at the Chicago Bullseye. Paulie's putting up some great stuff on a daily basis with the uh, NBA Index and and Tim is a basketball historian absolutely check out every day you put up uh something that i find fascinating with just your your, your history of and, and, and autographs and, and interactions with some of the legends of, of, the, of the nba and beyond college basketball basketball in general i did want to get into the more general topic of the nba and get your feedback and input on what, you, what are the biggest surprises so far that you've seen this year it could be anything western conference eastern conference a player i just like to get your feedback on some initial big surprises We'll start out with you on this one, Paul. Sure. Uh, I'll be quick. It's been a hell of a season already. I'm loving it. Uh, I think a couple big surprises. First of all, the Grizzlies are one and six. Uh, I don't think even the fact that they, you know, Ja was out for 25 games to start the season. Steven Adams is out for the year. Brandon Clark was already going to be out for the year. Um, I don't think anyone expected them to be last place in the Western Conference. They're 29th in offensive rating. Uh, they're 27th in field goal percentage. They're 25th in three-point percentage. 27th in free throws attempted. 26th in turnovers. And Biznak Biombo is now starting for them at center. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's looking ugly. And Luke Kennard, I think, is 20 something, 25, 26 percent from three. Uh, they're struggling and they need job back quickly. Um, Sandy Aldama has been out for them. Um, uh, Desmond Bain's playing great. Zaire Williams is showing flashes. Uh, and, and Tim, I'd love to hear. Uh, you on the West Coast, what your thoughts were on Zaire Williams when I think he was at Stanford. Um, uh, so he's showing flashes. Jaron Jackson is up over 20 points a game and playing great defense as always, but they're really struggling, and that was a big surprise. Phoenix is 3-4, and four, 
they're, they're really in the middle of the road in offensive rating, 14th in offensive rating, 12th in defensive rating, 15th in points per game, uh, 27th in turnovers, but that's expected when you don't have a point guard. Uh, Devin Booker has only played two games. Brandon, Bra- uh, Bradley Beal hasn't played any. Um, and uh, Drew Eubanks is playing crunch time minutes for them at center over Nurkic. So it's interesting to see. I know everyone thought Phoenix was going to be you know, competing for top spot. They're struggling right now. It's way too early to really uh, see because their whole team was made over. So I do expect them to make the playoffs, but uh, it might be a little harder of a road. Uh, and I guess the last thing, I have some things on uh, Boston and Denver. They're crushing it. Uh, Boston has a point differential of plus 14 and a half. Uh, and they're also one of only two teams in the league uh, that are first that are in the top five in both offensive and defensive rating. I'll let you guys try to guess who the second team is. Um, but Denver is also uh, seven and one. Uh, is it go ahead. Timberwolves? They're first Timberwolves? in they're first in in defensive rating, but they're not in the top five in offensive rating. Uh, I don't know. I don't have one for you on that one. Top five in both offensive rating and defensive rating, the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. Even though they lose James Harden, they're still hanging in there. Yeah, and the last thing, I love what I'm seeing with uh, Victor Wembanyama. The guy is, he's averaging 29 minutes a game and he's, he's, at 19 points, eight rebounds, two and a half blocks uh, over a steal a game. And one of the things that I think is really cool, he's only got averaging two and less than two and a half fouls a game, which usually a player like him, who's so skinny, not a lot of weight on him, he's going to get a lot of cheap fouls. Uh, plus, he's a rookie, so he's got to earn that respect in the league. He, he's only averaging uh, less than two and a half fouls per game. So that's really refreshing to see. This guy's going to be really good for a long time if he stays healthy. Tim, what say you? What surprised you so far this year? Yeah, I've got a couple surprise uh, teams and a couple surprise players. Uh, I, I would say, uh, since Paulie mentioned the Sixers, you know, I, I think with all the the drama and craziness with with Harden, um, that you know, it's probably a relief <laughs> that you know that they're kind of free of some expectations with him gone, and that makes them play play a little bit better, right? So that. Uh, dark cloud is, is is gone, and you know, and Tyrese Maxey, gosh, that's one of the guys that I, you know, I have to rewind the the EBR a, a few times and see, wow, did he just do what I think he did that fast? <laughs> you know, that guy covers the ground, so I uh, love, love watching him. Um, so I'd say the Sixers. Uh, I would say um, the Warriors that they've, uh, you know, they had such a hard time on the road last year that uh, I mean, I you know hope. We can enjoy Steph a while longer, just, you know, his amazing uh, skill level and, and shooting. Um, so I've been kind of surprised the Warriors have, uh, you know, have won uh, on the road uh, and are on a better trajectory than they were last year. And, um, you know, and, and again, just uh, enjoying Chef, uh, Steph uh, as always. A couple other uh, thoughts. Uh, the Orlando Magic, at least aesthetically to me, look a lot better mm-hmm. this year. You know, uh, Banchero looks like he could be a real star in the league. Uh, Cole Anthony is, is actually looking pretty solid at the point. And, you know, when I, I see a team pick up a guy like a Joe Ingles, a, a veteran that's going to, you know, kind of be a good clubhouse guy, a good locker room guy, um, it, it shows me that I think they're headed in the right direction. Um the other thing, I, a couple of the Bucks 
really, really bad losses kind of surprised me. You know, I, I can see still finding their way and integrating Dame and with Giannis and all that, but that a couple losses where they just got totally blown out uh, sort of surprised me. Um, but I'd say my biggest surprise team is the Pacers. And, um, and I looked and that uh, they're leading the league in points per game and assists, which is a, a pretty impressive uh, uh, line. And, uh, you know, lo- love Halliburton, love Matherin. I- I've been a big Obi Toppin guy. Obviously, I'm from Dayton originally, so I, you know, followed the Dayton Flyers and, you know, always thought that he, he had some potential to be, a, a, you know, and, and on the Pacers, he's he's probably the third or fourth option, right? So, um, uh, pretty exciting to see what they're doing. And then, as far as players go, uh, obviously, same thing with Wimby. He's, you know, I, I have to admit, I was a little bit skeptical, uh, but just his skill level and uh, and just his poise. I know after the game uh, against Phoenix, you know, they had him on. Uh, with the TNT crew and it looked like, you know, Charles and, and Shaq were trying to trip him up or get him to say something, uh, you know, not in a, in a, in a you know, nasty way, but just, he was just so poised and, you know, had the right you know, mindset and sense of humor. It just showed me a lot in terms of his, you know, how, how grounded he is. Um, uh, I, I still think though, for me, translating skill and talent to winning I think he's a long way from that. Uh, you know, the Spurs have had some some significant blowout losses as well. And just a couple other names of guys that kind of have jumped off the screen at me uh, from watching in a positive way. Cam Thomas with the Nets, Derek Lively, uh, the second with Dallas, and then Mark Williams with uh, Charlotte. Those guys have kind of surprised me, and I've seen some things from them that uh, have been quite impressive. Great stuff, Tim. I'm going to just focus on the East for my surprises, and I'm going to focus on teams. I think you both have touched on the Sixers. The Sixers and the Celtics are only two teams with a positive double-digit point differential. And I really like to look at differential. Uh, Celtics are 14.5, and the 76ers are 13.2. In the East, the next best team is the uh, Atlanta Hawks with a 5.3. That's the del- What a massive delta between two and three it just it's a testament to how good the celtics and 76ers have played and uh, I'm, I'm frankly shocked at how good sixers have played i think it's also probably a testament to the, the head coach nick nurse there mm-hmm. so just an excellent job the bucks have a negative point differential i agree tim i'm shocked absolutely shocked at how bad they were beaten in some of these losses so but that said i mean they're still four and two and i think by the end of the year they're going to be a very difficult team to beat but i will say just a word of warning Giannis uh, has really, I think, taken a downward spiral in his free throw shooting. You know, I thought he was at least starting to get some level of decency at the free throw line. And at the end of last year, it really went poorly. And it's pretty much continued from, I haven't seen what his latest numbers are. But uh, I don't think he's really playing, just to put it this way, he's not putting. He's not playing anywhere near where I know he can be. So I expect him to th- turn things around for the Bucks to run away with that central division. But... Big picture, the Knicks, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Cavs, the Heat, all of those teams that we all expected to be kind of in that mix for the 4, 5, and 6 are all under 500. So uh, who's going to come out of that group? And I hope it's the beloved Bull. We shall see. But uh, pretty interesting that some really good teams uh, are still below 500 this far into the regular season. So 
anyhow, on that note, we're over 40 minutes. Just want to say thanks for to both of you for jumping on and talking a little bit of NBA basketball. Hope to do this throughout the year, several times a week. Uh, and most importantly, where can we find you? Let's start out with you, Paulie. Uh, tell us about NBA Index and what you got up there. I just posted uh, my uh, article on the James Harden trade. Um, and uh, there's going to be some more content on um, recapping some of the latest Bulls games and then some news around the league as well. Um, and I try to put up uh, two to three uh, articles a week, and I'm loving it. Uh, it's an NBA index, part of uh, Chicago Bullseye, uh, and I uh, I so appreciate it, Fred, uh, letting me uh, ride your coattails on this one. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, I appreciate your work, Paul. I enjoy every every article, although we I you know don't always agree with you. It's that's part of learning and having good debates, and uh, I enjoy reading your work. So, and Tim. Tell us more where people can find you. Sure. Well, I do my daily post uh, called Today's Treasure from my collection. So I've been collecting basketball autographs and uh, memorabilia uh, for 55 years or so now, <laughs> amazingly. And uh, so uh, I'll also um, you know, comment on things happening with the NBA and college basketball and uh, you know, react to other people's posts as well, but I'm on uh, X uh, or Twitter as uh, once it was once known at, uh, at Tim Gal G A L L uh, 13, and then also I uh, I do a post on Facebook as well. Brothers, it's always great to talk to both of you. Looking forward to doing this throughout the season. Uh, until next time, let's go Bulls. Go Bulls. Take care, Fred. See you, See you Paul.